Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Alden Union Church. If you're visiting with us today, special welcome to you. And we'd like to ask if you'd help us to get to know you and you get to know a little bit about the church. If you simply raise your hand, Pastor Kevin has a packet of information he'd like to give to you. Tells you a little bit about the church. And then if you would fill out the card in there, put it in the offering plate later on, then we can acknowledge your visit by letter. But just make sure you keep your hand up long enough for him to see you and he'll get that information to you. A very special welcome to all of our mothers who are with us. If you are a mother, would you please stand so that we can welcome you? Thank you, ladies. We will not be having any special corsages given this year because I'm lacking in courage these days, so we're, we're not going to do that. But since everybody is special, will you pretend that we've given everybody a special corsage? Okay, we'll, we'll do it that way instead. If your row hasn't passed the friendship pad yet, if you would do so, and then make sure that you note the names of the people in your row and be able to, to greet each other by name. We do encourage you, as we do every week, to attend our Bible school. If you're not sure where to go or what group would be best for you, we've got some great people in the back. Right here to my left in the back, afterwards, if you go there, they'll be glad to show you where to go to the, the right class for you. I'd like to invite you, if you will, please, to take a look at the inserts in the bulletin, first of all, today. I, I don't want to overlook them. We've got an insert from the Centennial Committee of the Church looking for donations of church memorabilia and photos for our newly established heritage room, which is downstairs next to the kitchen. So if you read carefully through that insert and then respond to that, that's going to be a great opportunity for people to come and learn a little bit about the history of the church. Also, there's an invitation to attend and bring others with you on Friday night for the showing of the inspirational movie Amazing Grace. Um, please use the insert as an invitation and share that with others and come yourself and we'll have a great evening on Friday night. In the bulletin itself are numerous important announcements, including Tuesday's open circle for the women, and that's women of all ages. There's a shuttle van from the parking lot across the street and also from Lima Estates if desired, but follow through the information that's written in the bulletin. Also, there's an invitation from the newly named Alden Senior Fellowship for a covered dish luncheon this Saturday. So please read these and a whole lot more that are in the bulletin this week. Also, we need your help for our church directory that's coming out as well as for our database. We did have you fill out pink slips, but you know what? That's not a good idea, is it? Nobody wants to get a pink slip. Um, we had you fill them out before, but we found that we needed more data. So please read in the bulletin how you can help us out. There are a couple of different ways that that can be done. And tonight, as a preview, I'd like to encourage you to come back with us on Mother's Day Sunday evening. We're going to have the opportunity for any of you who would like to, to share how it was or how it is that your mother is an encouragement to you. Bring her along so that she can hear it. Shock her. Let her hear how much you think of her and how much of an encouragement she is. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to commit at the outset this service and this day to you. Thank you that this is the day that you've made. We're rejoicing and we're glad in it. Thank you that we can celebrate. Thank you that we can express our gratitude to you for our mothers. May all the praise and all the glory, all the honor be truly yours today. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. 
I'm going to invite us all to stand. Let's praise the Lord together.
heart could hold the weight of your love and know the heights of your great worth what eyes could look on your glorious face shining like the sun sing that again what heart what heart could hold the weight of your love and know the heights of your great worth what eyes could look on your glorious face shining like the sun you
Amen. Praise the Lord. Why don't we take a few minutes this morning and let's greet those that are around us. Let's take a few moments. Would you pray with me now as I pray? Father, I trust we come into your presence now with awe as we've reminded ourselves of your holiness. That we don't come in just out of habit or without thinking, but remind ourselves of the God that you are, the God that we worship this morning. We reminded ourselves, who is a God like you? You do wonders that we can't imagine how. Even personally for us, placing us in the family that you wanted us in. And so this morning we're reminded, as we're honoring the mothers that you gave us, we're really honoring you. Because you're the one who put them into our lives. You're the one who used them to teach us, to help mold us, both by their good examples and poor examples. But we trust this morning would just be a small indication by our uh, reminding ourselves of honoring them how much we should be honoring them each day because we want to honor you. I think this morning, I'm sure there are some mothers here whose children are not walking in truth. And that's heavy on their hearts. And we pray even today would be a day where they could turn around and turn to you. Because we know it's in your hand to do that. And we pray you would do in their lives whatever's necessary to bring them to you. And bring joy to their mothers. You've placed us in this body, not by accident, but by choice. 
And we know as we look ahead to this week and the weeks following, we have a number of activities that as a church, as a body, that we have planned. And we ask that you be exalted in each of those activities. And that you give strength and wisdom to those who are organizing and being part of this. And that all the honor and glory of what happens would go to you. And that you would be preeminent in each activity but they would be ways that we can demonstrate love for each other and love for others and love for the world because of your love for us. So we pray you would give fruit for the labor that goes on for each of these activities. You allow us to pray for each other as a body. What a great privilege for us to do that. And I'm sure each of us this morning has names in our mind that need your help. That's need your direction. That need to come back to you, to be drawn to your word. Help us to keep praying for them and encouraging them. We're thankful we can pray for individuals every week that represent groups that are not with us, for our military, for Bruce Lefferts, the changes that have taken place for him and the family, that you'd help them to uh, continue to adapt to those changes. For our college students, James and Thomas DeVita, and we know for many of them, they're College time right now is winding down for the year. Help them to finish well. Provide what they need for the summer. For our missionaries, pray for Janet Morris as she continues to try to recruit people to work and take your gospel around the world. And she would lead her those you have for her to give direction to. Pray this morning also for the Rizzos as they travel up to see David, that you would help him to heal from his injuries, that it would not be too severe, and that he can recover quickly from this. And for our leaders, pray for Bill Rester this morning. We're thankful for his years of service to us as he oversees the elders and now oversees the Centennial Committee, giving the time that he needs and wisdom and direction for all these things that he oversees. Help us not just to pray for these individuals just this morning. Help us to pray for them throughout the week and for others in the groups they represent. We've been reminded the last couple of weeks of the finances of the church. And we know you're the one that provides. You're the one that gives to us what we need. And we uh, planned a budget based on uh, what we thought you want us to do. So we ask first you give our leaders wisdom as they use the money you've given to us wisely. But we ask you to help each of us to look at our hearts and see if we're giving the way you want us to give. We don't give to a budget, we give to you. But help us to demonstrate what we think about you by our giving, and we know if we do that, it'll be enough to do what you've called us to do. So this morning, may we give cheerfully, sacrificially, in a way that demonstrates we understand you're a holy God. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen.
Well, thank you, uh, Brittany and Michael. I'm going to invite us all to stand as the children are dismissed. Let's continue to praise.
Please join me for prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've exalted your name and your word. And we attempt to do exactly that this morning. As we've been exalting your name, we trust now that as we exalt your word that you'll be pleased with that which each one of us will respond to, react to, and apply to our lives. Because we understand that your word is not given to us simply to provide information. It's not given to us to entertain us. It's not given to us for any reason other than to apply it in our lives and be obedient to what you call us to so that you can be exalted through it. We thank you for this now and thank you for the blessings of your presence here with us and within us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Every day should be Mother's Day. I, I heard some soprano and alto voices. Every day should be Mother's Day. Let's turn together to Ephesians chapter 6. Verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. From these verses, we've just read that honoring parents is a win-win situation, isn't it? Everybody wins when that takes place. The parents receive honor, and the children receive a promised blessing for doing the honoring. And they're even told that if they're obeying their parents, that they're doing what's right. So everybody wins. Isn't it a shame, though, that not everybody applies these verses that are as clear as they possibly can be? Well, today's message is about mothers. It's Mother Appreciation Day. But as we pointed out several times already this morning, it's God Appreciation Day because God's the one who thought up mothers. God's the one who made mothers the way they are. God's the one who put each one of us into the family he wanted us to be in. So I'd like for each of us to be able to appreciate our mothers here this morning and to encourage us to honor our mothers the way God intends and to do it every day of the year. It's not a one day a year kind of a thing. Perhaps your mother is no longer living. I trust that you can honor her memory here this morning and do so by the very lives that each one of us live from here on out. They say it is not easy to be a mother. I've never been a mother, so I can't for sure tell you that from experience, but I can tell you that from observation that it isn't easy to be a mother. Consider some of the pointed reminders of this and what some have said. Someone said this, motherhood is full of frustrations and challenges, but eventually they move out. That's not very nice about That's not my observation. That's just, I've, I've read these things. Someone else said, if it were going to be easy to raise kids, it never would have started with something called labor. There's a mother in Colorado who's so ashamed of her unruly kids that she attends the PTA under an assumed name. They also say that mothers can have a few minutes to themselves at the end of the day by doing the dishes. That places are under quarantine, apparently, for some reason. They also 
have a number of these. You know you're a mother when your son comes home from college and has rented a U-Haul trailer to carry the dirty clothes he wants you to wash. Or you know you're a mother when you are in a clothes store and your teenage daughter keeps calling you by your first name so nobody will suspect that she's shopping with her mother. You know you're a mother when every piece of clothing you own is stained and most of that wasn't your fault. Or you know you're a mother, and I think more significantly this one, you haven't had time to eat properly or exercise enough or had enough rest, but your life feels very full and your heart feels like it's going to burst when you think of the little ones you helped to bring into this world. That's when you really know that you're a mother. I believe that this is a truth that is self-evident, that mothers are always giving and they keep on giving and giving. That's a lot about what mothers are, are about. Let me briefly mention eight things in the Scripture that are given by mothers. There are a lot more than that, but eight things where we see examples in the Scriptures of what mothers give us. Shared so that we can appreciate it even more and so that when it comes time for us to respond to what mothers give, that we won't take for granted what it is that they do for us. So what mothers give us, one thing that comes to mind is protection. Mothers give us protection. Don't mess with bear cubs, we're told. That doesn't just apply to bears, does it? Don't mess with a mother's children. Some of you in one class I know have been studying the book of Judges recently. You're familiar with the name Jabin. He was the king of Canaan. There was a commander of his army of the uh, Canaanites, a man by the name of Sisera. And together they had been cruelly oppressing the people of Israel for 20 years. The Canaanites had 900 iron chariots. That was very intimidating to the Israelites. And the Israelites cried to the Lord for help after 20 years. And from what is known as the Song of Deborah, during the time of the Judges, we read this verse in Judges chapter 5, verse 7. Village life in Israel ceased, ceased until I, Deborah, arose, arose a mother in Israel. What did God provide for his people? They were oppressed for 20 years. They cried out. What happens when children cry? God provided a mother to arise in Israel to do what Barak and some of the other ones who were there probably should have done but didn't. It's interesting to read the song of Deborah after that when she talks about the princes of Israel, how great it is when they do what they're supposed to do. But they weren't doing it. So what did God do for the protection? of his people under oppression, he raised up a mother in Israel, and that was Deborah. Very significant. I can recall one time my mother's protection. When we, and I shared this once years and years ago. Some of you may remember this, but <clears throat> my brother and I were in a, uh, in a tough spot one time. We were just little kids. I, I was probably in first or second grade, and my brother would have been in, uh, a year older than I was. We were um, in the process of getting beat up by some of the neighborhood kids. They didn't like us, not because we were personally obnoxious. I didn't learn the fine art of being obnoxious until years later. But at that particular point, they didn't like us because our dad was a pastor in the community, and they used to yell all kinds of things at us about, the, about Christians and things like that. And 
there were some of our contemporaries. They were first and second graders. And we were across the street from our house and down a ways at the school. And the older brothers of some of our friends decided that they would force their brothers and sisters to actually beat us up. And they were punching us. And the, the older ones were in a little ring. Uh, we were up the stairs on the backside of the school. And it was getting worse and worse. And they were egging them on to do more and more things. And they are punching us in the stomach. And we couldn't get away because the older brothers and sisters were there. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, came this voice. David! Pauly! She called me Pauly. I hated it, but she called me Pauly. That time I liked it. And the kids all scattered. And my mother had come to our protection unwittingly that time. Most of the time it was witting. I think all of us can probably think about the protection that our mother offers us in so many different ways. Mothers protect us, especially when we're young, from germs, from choking, from cavities, from cars, from getting electrocuted, from poor nutrition. Always hated this line. No dessert if you don't eat your veggies. Um, Hated the veggies. Never did any good, by the way. Parents who are trying to teach their kids that, I still don't. Well, never mind. Mothers protect us from keeping the wrong company. How many times would they say, I I don't like who it is you're hanging around with or you need to choose better friends. They would say things like that all the time. Mothers would protect us from strangers. Mothers would protect us from all sorts of things. That's one of the things that they do. But not only that, what mothers give us is protection, but they also give us concern. Some examples of that kind of concern. When you get home later at night than expected the concern. And I'm not going to use the word worry because that sounds negative and it's Mother's Day, so I'm not going to say they worry, but they're concerned. Uh, But they're concerned even before it gets later than it should have. They're concerned from the moment you leave the house. They're concerned even when you get married and you go away. They're concerned and they're praying for you many, many times. But when you get home later at night than you should, sometimes that's a cause for concern. And this also from the Song of Deborah as well. We had this man by the name of Sisera, the commander-in-chief of the Canaanite army. They lost that fight. Deborah and Barak led the Israelites to a great victory, but it's really God's doing. If you read that story, you'll see it's all God's doing. But Sisera, the enemy commander, was fleeing for his life, and at one point he was so tired that he went into a tent. He fell asleep. He was exhausted, and the tent was that of a woman named Jael. And you know the account, some of you, she picked up a tent peg and a hammer. She drove the tent peg through Sisera's temple into the ground as he was laying there asleep. I guess you could say she hit the nail on the head. And if you want, jail hit the nail on the head. But that's not the point that I want to mention. The the reason I'm bringing this up is because in Judges chapter 5 verse 28, we read this through the window. Now, feel this, if you will. Picture this. Through the window peered Sisera's mother. And there was his mom waiting to hear the good news of a victory and that everything was okay. Through the window peered Sisera's mother. Behind the lattice, she cried out, why is his chariot so long in coming? Why is the clatter of his chariots delayed? Sorry, he would not be coming home. But we see the concern. We see the the care of his mother. We see the worry of his mother. And it's something that is built in. It's something that is inescapable. 
We also understand the concern of a mother when you choose the wrong friends for the wrong reasons. If you'll turn with me to Judges for just a minute. Judges chapter 14. I've been reading in Judges lately. A lot of these examples are from Judges. And we can pick it up in verse 1. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. And we saw this just a few weeks ago. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, and goes on to tell the story, that get her the right one for me. She's the right one for me. And uh, parents weren't happy with that, but they sounded the alarm. They did what parents are supposed to do. They show concern. They were concerned because their son was choosing the wrong friend, and in this case, more than a friend. We also had this instant from the New Testament where Jesus' mother had a lifelong concern for the Lord Jesus himself as her child. You may recall what it says in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 and 35. Simeon, the older man in the temple, it says, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. What he's saying is that the Lord Jesus is going to grow up and there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be against him. Then he says this last sentence. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. Told Mary that early on. It's not going to be easy. You're going to have this concern for all of the life that you have now with your child, the Lord Jesus. There are going to be those who are going to be against him and there's going to be a sword that's going to pierce your heart because that's what it is all about to be a mother and to watch a child suffer. And some of you know what that means. Some of you have done that. Some of you have done it in a big time way. And that's one of the things about mothers, the concern that they have. Another thing that mothers have is a belief in us. Mothers have a belief in us. And again, if you'll uh, stay in Judges with me, in Judges chapter 17. This is one of those stories that probably doesn't amuse anybody, but it amuses me. I'm very easily amused. Judges chapter 17, verses 1 and 2. This is describing a time among the people of Israel that was very, very bleak. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Judges 17, it says, Now a man named Micah from the hill country of Ephraim said to his mother, The 1,100 shekels, let me stop there, that's a whole lot of money. Just just keep that in mind, a whole lot of money. The 1,100 shekels of silver that were taken from you and about which I heard you utter a curse, I have that silver with me. I took it. Then his mother said, The Lord bless you, my son. I just find that funny. I wouldn't have found it funny if he'd sneezed and she said that, but he just took 1,500 shekels, stole it from her, and she says, the Lord bless you, my son. These verses do not teach proper discipline of children, but they do teach that a mother has a great belief in her child. And in this case, we can see that very, very clearly. She had a great belief in him. The Lord bless you, my son. It's okay. It's all right. I'm sure you must have had a good reason for it. It's okay. Well, he didn't. He was just greedy, and he stole that. 
And then what they did with that money, you can read the story later on, was not a good thing either. How many of you remember Judge Clarence Thomas? Do you remember? Okay, many of you do. That situation, picture of Clarence Thomas right there. But his mother is the one who had the last word on this story. In Pinpoint, Georgia, his mother said that she had to go to bed sick after hearing the charges that were made against her son. She didn't like the fact that he had been accused. And so Leola Williams said that she harbors no animosity towards Anita Hill, but will pray for her. She said she needs God's help. Then she said this, If my child had done something like that, I would have jumped up in the Senate chamber and boxed him in the mouth. That story does not teach proper discipline of children, but it does show a mother's belief in her son. That's what mothers do. They believe in us. Sometimes when nobody else does, the one left standing is the mother. You've no doubt heard about the mother watching her son march with his military platoon. Look at that. Every one of those soldiers is out of step except my son. You see that Marine on the bottom, bottom right? That Marine is possibly Charlie Frederick. I'm not sure. Out of step. The one that's out of step there, but the mother believes in him. What else do mothers give to us? They give us care in a whole lot of different ways. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 19, we studied this not too long ago on a Sunday night. Hannah having been given a child by the Lord, which all children are given by the Lord. They're all gifts from him, but this in a very special way. It tells us in 1 Samuel 2, 19, each year his mother, that's Samuel's mother, Hannah, made him a little robe and took it to him when she went up with her husband to offer the annual sacrifice. Little thing making something for him, but she wanted to make sure that he was cared for. Even though he wasn't under her direct care at that point, she still wanted to make sure that he was cared for. Back in the time when I was just a little boy, my mother made something for me that I'm reminded of by that. She made me a Davy Crockett action figure. Don't call it a doll. She made a Davy Crockett action figure. My brother and I loved... Davy Crockett at that particular time. Fess Parker on TV. You remember, born on a mountaintop in Tennessee? I won't ask you to sing that, but Green has stayed in the land of the free, raised in the woods, so he note. That doesn't spell check, by the way. He note every tree. Kilt, that doesn't spell check either. Kilt him a bar when he was only three. Davy, Davy Crockett, king of the wild frontier. She made me this action figure of Davy Crockett that I carried around with me for the longest time. And when I think about something about the care of a mother, I think about Hannah making something for Samuel. I can't help but think about that. And I'm sure that there are things that we're thinking about right now that illustrate the care of our mother. And some of the uh, mothers are thinking about the care that they had for their children in many different ways. A woman lived on a busy street corner in the heart of a large city. One summer night, she went to bed early. The telephone rang, but she slept through it. Loud music blasted from a passing boombox, but she slept through that too. The children raided the refrigerator and played the stereo at close to full volume, but she slept through all that too. Then a remarkable thing happened. 
from the back room at the opposite end of the house came a little voice that called mommy. And immediately the woman jumped out of bed and rushed to the side of her three-year-old daughter. There probably aren't any scientific studies to prove it, but we all know that mothers can hear their children's slightest cries from great distances. There was a cartoon that showed a young boy about five or six years old talking on the phone saying, Mom is in the hospital. The twins and Roxy and Billy and Sally and the dog and me and Dad are all home alone. (laughs) Doesn't that communicate volumes of the care of a mother? And one that I probably don't even need to say because it's synonymous with motherhood is the whole idea of sacrifice. What do mothers give to us? They give sacrifice. Who gets the worst of the food or none at all? If the pie gets cut into so many pieces and there aren't enough to go around, who doesn't get it? The, the whole sacrifice thing. In First um, Kings chapter 327, I'm going to read this verse out of its context, and you are going to immediately put it into context in your mind because it is such a famous story. Then the king gave his ruling. Give the living baby to the first woman. Do not kill him. She is his mother. Who's that king? Solomon. When the Bible wants us to know how wise Solomon is, Solomon shows his wisdom by showing the sacrifice that a real mother is willing to make with her real child by giving that child up so that that child's life is not taken. And you know that story very well. Someone has written Mother's Reward having to do with the sacrifice that mothers make, what they could have done instead of what they're doing or what they had done. You are the trip I did not take. You are the pearls I cannot buy. You are my blue Italian lake. You are my piece of foreign sky. You are my Honolulu moon. You are the book I did not write. You are my heart's unuttered tune. But the plus side, you are a candle in my night. You are the flower beneath the sun. In a dark sky, a bit of blue. Answering disappointments blow with, I am happy. I have you. Mother's reward in something that is much greater than trips and jewelry. What else do mothers give us? They give us teaching. That kind of goes without saying. Mothers and fathers collaborate on this, but it is not the father's job to teach and the mother's job to be a cheerleader. It is the job of both to be teaching. Proverbs chapter 1.8, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Some of you can think back right now and look at your life now, look at your lifestyle, look at some habits that you have. And ask yourself the question, would mom approve? Chances are, if mom would not approve, you shouldn't either. Proverbs 6.20, my son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Proverbs 29.15, the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Be thankful for mothers who didn't leave us to ourselves. Be thankful for mothers who instilled in us God's word and made sure we had the discipline to carry it out if we decided to go our own way, which we would have. 
one of the worst things, the worst thing that a mother or a father can do for a child is to allow the child to go off on his own, to not give any direction, to not give any discipline. What else do mothers give to us? Mothers give to us comfort as well. There are several references where we see that. We see that comfort as an example. When God is looking for an example to talk about somebody comforting somebody else, he chooses a mother. Isaiah chapter 66, verse 13. As a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you, and you will be comforted over Jerusalem. So when God wants to give an example that we can hang on to about comfort that he's going to give, where does he turn? He turns to mothers. The Apostle Paul does the same thing in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7. But we were gentle among you, he says, like a mother caring for her little children. That's the example that he knew would communicate. What else do mothers give to us? Mothers mediate. They mediate for us. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 20, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor of him. Remember the favor? The favor was, I'd like one of my sons to sit on the right hand, one of them to sit on the left hand when you come to your kingdom. I called it mediating because it's Mother's Day. I could have called it meddling, but I chose, I chose not to. But seriously, that is something that mothers give to us. They're willing to get into anybody else's concern when it comes to protecting their children or having the best for their children. My child doesn't deserve this grade. How many of you teachers have ever heard, you don't have to put your hand up, have ever heard that? I used to, um, I used to be um, a lot meaner than I am now. I can remember um, this wasn't a mother, this was just a student who came up and said, I don't deserve an F. And I told her, I know you don't, but we don't give anything lower. <laughs> Why doesn't my Rolo play more? Why does he sit on the bench or why isn't she playing? How many mothers have done that? You coaches understand when that happens all the time. Here's the meddling part. How many of you right now who are still living at home under your parents' authority and how many of you who have already gone and your parents in your own right now and grandparents can recall the times when your mother meddled by looking at your mail? or looking at the music that you had, whatever form it was. Some of you don't know this, but records. They used to have things called records, and they used to have things called 8-tracks and CDs and DVDs. And how many of your parents have taken the liberty, your mothers in particular, taken the liberty to go through all of those things? How many of them have decided to mind your business for you? Now remember, I'm calling it mediating. I'm not calling it meddling. But that's something that mothers do as well. All of those things, plus a whole lot more, that mothers give us continually. How do we respond? Well, first, how not to treat your mother. And these are self-evident truths. I'm going to fly by these because it should be very, very obvious that these things should not ever be happening. There should be no abuse ever of a mother verbally or otherwise, nothing but respect. There should certainly not be anything physical. 
Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. I'm just going to fly through these verses. Anyone who attacks his father or his mother must be put to death. God took a dim view of abuse, parental abuse. We don't put people, we don't, we don't have capital crimes right now for, for some of these things, but we at least see now how it was that God viewed them. Proverbs 19:26. He who robs his father and drives out his mother is a son who brings shame and disgrace. Certainly no abuse. I'll get no argument from anybody here, so let's just move on and see also um, similarly no cursing. Leviticus 20 verse 9. If anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother and his blood will be on his own head. Proverbs 20, 20, if a man curses his father or mother, his lamp will be snuffed out in pitch darkness. Another one that goes without saying, no rebellion, no stubbornness, no disobedience. And we find that uh, also in the scriptures. This is in Deuteronomy 21, verses 18 and 19. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gate of his town. And what would the elders do? Would they scold them? No, this was a capital crime at that particular time. They would be stoned. Proverbs thirty seventeen: The eye that mocks a father, that scorns obedience to a mother, will be pecked out by the ravens of the valley, will be eaten by the vultures. Any of you ever see Hitchcock's The Birds? Picture, picture being strung out and the birds coming after you. That's the picture that's there. No foolish living. How not to treat our mother. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, it says, A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. Proverbs fifteen twenty: A wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. You want to bring grief to mom? You want to despise mom? Live foolishly. Live in a way that you know she would never approve because it's not the way that God has outlined in his word for you to be living. How to treat your mother. We're going to shift gears. We've been looking at how not to. Now we're going to look at how to treat our mother. And the first thing we want to be able to do is to honor her. It says in Exodus twenty twelve, Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Why, that's one of the commandments, isn't it? That's the fifth commandment. Honor mother. And again, there can be no argument from there. It's very clear. We read it in the scriptures this morning earlier. Honor her and not only that, respect her. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 33, Each of you must respect his mother and father, and you must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. He says, I am the Lord your God. So you need to respect your parents. You need to respect mother and father. That means when you speak to her, and when you speak about her, that respect should be very, very evident at all times. And the Bible makes it very clear that we're to take care of mom as well. There is a role reversal. She takes care of us, but there comes a time when we need to be taking care of her as well. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 3, it says, From there David went to Mizpah in Moab and said to the king of Moab, Will you let my father and mother come and stay with you until I learn what God will do for me? 
He wanted them to be put under protective custody until he could see what was happening because Saul was trying to kill him. Do you remember what Jesus said from the cross? We think about the words, seven words from the cross. Do you remember what he said to John? He said, there's your mom. And he pointed to his own mom. And John took Mary into his home from then on. Jesus wanted to be sure that she was cared for. And that was on his mind among the very last things that he ever spoke was make sure mom is taken care of. There was a 15-year-old boy who came bounding into the house and found his mom in bed. He asked if she were sick or something. He was truly concerned. Mom replied that as a matter of fact, she didn't feel too well. The son replied, well, don't worry a bit about dinner. I'll be happy to carry you down to the stove. That's not exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about taking care of mom. We're talking more like this. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Old age is not the time for kids to disappear for mom. We're told clearly in the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 4 But if a widow has children or grandchildren, these should learn first of all to put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. We see that role reversal again. And sometimes we deplore that. We say, I'm the parent now and my parent's the child. That's the natural course of events. That's the way that it happens. Finally, how to treat your mother be a source of joy for mom. How do I do that? Psalm 113 verse 9 says, He settles the barren woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. A source of great happiness can be in the children. But it's got to be this way. Proverbs 23 verses 24 and 25. The father of a righteous man has great joy. He who has a wise son delights in him. May your father and mother be glad. May she who gave you birth rejoice. What's the source of that rejoicing? It says a righteous person, a wise son. So if you're righteous, if you're wise, that equals joy to a mom, also to a dad, but we're not thinking about dads today. That's where joy comes from. That's why it's a good thing when we say every day should be Mother's Day. Look at all that the mothers have given to us, and we barely scratched the surface this morning. And look at what God has called from us for our role for our mothers. And we keep seeing these expressions like things that please the Lord. This is what pleases the Lord. This is what brings joy to our parents. Again, what a great thing. It's a win win all the way around when we treat our parents particularly our mothers the way God has outlined for us in his word let's pray together our heavenly father we thank you that you have given us clear instructions on godly living and you've given us clear instructions on how to relate to our parents and this morning we're applying that to our mothers may today not come and then return again in another year. But may today be every day when it's truly a celebration of Mother's Day. 
And may we find in us the words even that don't come naturally to some, particularly to the sons who are among us. But may the words be there, the words of encouragement. And may the actions show that as well. And may the lifestyle, may the way we live reflect on the upbringing that we've had and bring joy to our moms. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all to stand for one last song.
Heavenly Father, thank you that even as we contemplate the wonderfulness of mothers, we realize that there is an infinite amount of light years between that and you who embody all these same traits in the superlative. And we thank you for you. We thank you for that. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And all of you is more than enough for